So Melvin's coming in at eleven twenty. Uh, that was what he said. He said uh, his teammates are signing um, during this hour, so it might be eleven twenty. It might be eleven forty. I said just sometime in yeah. the hour. Hit me up. You know, let's talk. I got it. Yeah. Now I remember his ceremony. Someone was talking for like thirty minutes before yes. he finally actually committed. So hopefully, hopefully it's not the same people at a at LCA in charge of that. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. I'll message him here in a minute, and we'll see if he can get on with us. But, um, but yeah, man, what do you think about uh, signing day, this this era of signing day? And is this the slowest February signing day you've ever experienced? Uh, yeah, at, at least, man, like following Texas and now covering Texas and covering Baylor last year, like I've never had like, – there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing for Texas today. Um, and I, I, it felt weird waking up at 9 o'clock instead of <laughs> – like six in the morning, like I did December signing day. Um, but you know, it's nice nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the big news was, um, at least we were watching in the state of Texas was Terry Bussey. what did you think about him sticking with Texas A&M? Uh, I mean, honestly, I was kind of surprised. I had been, um, following loosely. Uh, I saw Mike's story yesterday, how it said it looked like L- Mike Roach's story looked like LSU uh, might be turning the tide, but obviously AM and m ended up uh, keeping him. So, uh, you know, as a, as people who watch this largely Texas fans, they probably would have liked he ends up at LSU more than AM. but I mean, you're still probably going <laughs> to play LSU just as much as AM. So, yeah. Yeah, well, and if anything, he might end up being a better player at LSU in terms of, you know, development and everything as well uh, than if you were to end up at A&M. So going to be interesting to see what his career path is, especially with, you know, his context on both sides of the ball. Yeah. What do you, since this is obviously Texas related, what do you think, uh, what do you think about Texas and that recruitment? It's always kind of like on the periphery. I feel like, like what, where do you think, you know, that, you know, where Texas maybe went wrong or not necessarily went wrong, but weren't able to, you know, really, get him on board yeah um i I think honestly uh the the short answer would kind of be similar to what happened with micah hudson maybe um where it it just seemed like other staffs were putting more work into recruiting him to be honest um and uh, other schools did a better job of incorporating uh, not just, you know, what his position coach could or would be on either side of the ball, but also, you know, support staffers and other people involved. It just seemed like, you know, compared to Alabama, LSU, OU, LSU, with with, with Terry, that the Texas just wasn't putting in the effort that other schools were, to be honest. Um, and I think you could kind of, you know, see that in Terry's visit schedule. You know, Terry went and saw all the other schools a lot more than he came to Texas. And I think you know, part of that might have been he just felt like he didn't know the people at Texas as well as he did at the other schools. Um, you know, I don't think it was due to position. Um, you know, at pretty much every school in America recruited him and just said, you know, we'll figure it out when you get here. I think that was kind of Texas's pitch as well. Um, but again, ultimately, I think it was just, you know, he didn't. The, the staff viewed him differently than other staffs did, um, I think, in terms of prioritization. Um, and I mean, the Texas staff is happy with what they got. And, you know, as long as they're happy, you got to call it a good day. So I guess that's the, the short answer for him. What happened with Terry? We'll obviously have a more formal description in next week's Stampede with the, the behind the scenes that'll come out um, uh, next Monday. So stay tuned for that. But I mean, yeah, with, with Terry, it never really felt like Texas was truly in this. Um, yeah especially in the last few months. I guess looking else around or looking around elsewhere this today, we saw Terry Bussey to A&M. Ryan Williams officially signed with Alabama. You know, there was a time where maybe Texas was going to get it going and, and get him on campus, but, you know, maybe that K.J. Lacey connection. I, I never really envisioned him actually flipping to Texas or, or I guess it wouldn't have been a flip. It would have been a commitment after he decommitted from Alabama, but – it always seemed like he was going to stay in state at either Alabama or Auburn. And, you know, maybe Alabama was always going to hold on to him. Maybe Auburn, I don't know. That was kind of a wild one. But he is officially signed with Alabama, um, Kalen DeBoer era. So they signed Noah Carter, too. So Bama's getting the guys. Georgia, they're number one. Texas will see them next year in Austin. That that might be 
you know, one of the games Game of the year, of the century in the in the regular season. I mean, my goodness, Quinn Ewers versus Carson Beck um, in Austin, F1 weekend. It's going to be wild. There's not going to be any hotel rooms or Airbnbs to stay in. Um, I might yeah, run you should out, run out your, one of my. I'm about to say. Bedroom. We just got a bigger bed in there too, so maybe maybe I'll look into that. Uh, I guess, but yeah, let's talk about Texas. You know the. You know, we talked about Terry Bussey, you know, not getting him. But, you know, the guys they did get are really, really good. Um, and, you know, we talked to Tommy yesterday about, you know, grading the class. We have the grades up. I updated the early signing period grades. It wasn't a lot of changes, but um, they were only positive changes. Like, for example, let's talk about, you know, tight end. Um, we gave that a B plus in the early signing period with just Jordan Washington, which, you know, wasn't a slight to Jordan. Uh, it was just, you know, one tight end. Um you know, you're replacing Jatavian Sanders. You know, he, he is a lower-rated guy in our rankings, but, you know, I, I think Texas thinks differently and thinks very highly of him. So, you know, B-plus definitely, you know, was our was our standing there, and we think he could certainly be a role player. But then they go out and add Damari Nyblak, the number one tight end in the transfer portal, um, you know, in, in January. So, you know, what are your thoughts on Nyblak and, you know, his his fit in uh, in this offense? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I've said it a bunch. Um, they literally couldn't have had a better, a better possible scenario happen than what happened. Um, I mean, not only is he the, the highest ranked tight end in the portal, but what's important is he actually fits this offense. Um, and he shares a lot of similarities with Jatavian Sanders, maybe not physically, but as a pass catcher play style, the type of tight end they are. And, you know, if you were to come through every tight end in college football, you know, even ones that weren't in the portal, ones that are on rosters, ones that never entered the portal. Nye Black is probably the most similar to JT Sanders out of anyone in college football. If not, he's got to be top five or one of the closest. Um, in terms of a talent perspective, easily probably the closest to, to to JT. And, you know, they went out and got that guy, you know, the greatest of all time retiring. Uh, probably was an assist there, but – you know, nonetheless, they they replaced JT Sanders in the best possible way they could while also bringing in, um, you know, the best receiving threat in the state of Texas at tight end in 2024. Um, and with, with the with the 2024 class being a relatively weak year for tight end class, I mean, like there, there's a reason Alabama, A&M, and UT were all going balls to the wall for Jordan Washington, who's a three-star. Yeah. There weren't very many tight ends to go around in 2024. So the fact that they were able to get really the only uh, legitimate power five receiving threat at the position in the best football state in America is a pretty big deal. And they went out and did that when they got Jordan Washington. So, yeah, yeah. I think Hudson had said uh, last week, or if it might be airing today on the signing day show, Hudson Standish said, you know, he was his favorite, like underrated guy in Texas's 2024 class. So, yeah, Washington should be. Fun to see. All the Bama fans are giving Mario Nyblack crap after the Texas game uh, because obviously Texas won uh, the Texas Alabama game. He was on, uh, I don't know if he was on Instagram Live or I think it was Instagram Live, like just dancing, singing to a song. Yeah. But uh, but that was kind of his, uh, you know, his coming out party there against Texas. He caught that touchdown pass in the second half. And, you know, he didn't have like huge numbers this year, but, you know, he was a, a key part of their offense. So yeah, more more than serviceable. I definitely think yeah. uh, a much better tight end, but much better NFL prospect than uh, Liatu or whoever the hell was the tight end the year before. I think eighty one, yeah. right? Hey, Liatu. Liatu. He's on your 49ers. How are you not giving him some more love? I didn't say he was bad. I just said Amari Nyblack is much better. <laughs> well, he was a converted outside linebacker to tight end. So, you know, that makes sense. Um, but then turns into a third round pick. So, you know, credit to, to Cam Leitu. And his brother's a pretty good defensive lineman for Oklahoma State, too. Um, but sticking with Alabama transfers to Texas, uh, Isaiah Bond. I mean, you get Matthew Golden in December. That's your – got my dog barking in the background. Sorry. Uh you get oh, Matthew dude. Golden in December. That was the number one guy. You know, Texas went out in the portal at wide receiver. They wanted one and done type talent. And Matthew Golden is that. Uh, but then Isaiah Bond transfers from Alabama to Texas. And, you know, that's that's kind of the flashiest name I think Texas picked up. I think what is he they changed the portal rankings a bunch, but I think he was yeah. number he's, one or two. He's gotta be the top dude. 
Um, yeah. At least a receiver. Yeah. And then Chip reported already in that insider the other day that, you know, he's already clocking 22 miles per hour in their, in their off season workouts. I mean, talk about, you know, just in, in terms of, you know, replacing the guys that they're replacing at wide receiver, you know, we can talk about all the guys that are now golden bond, Silas Bolden, Ryan Wingo, the five-star high school receiver, you know, these transfers kind of have been taking the spotlight of late, but you know, you can't forget about guys like that either. Like, what do you think about the 2024 receiving core? Uh, I like it. Um, and I like how all four of the guys are similar, but very different. Um, you know, Freddie DeBose, uh, Strider, Sunui Strong, um, you know, kind of just a stretch the field type of guy. Uh, Parker Livingstone, you know, bigger body, similar qualities to Freddie DeBose in terms of being a strider and someone who can also stretch the field that's above six foot. Um, but he's more, I, I don't know how to describe it. Just you, you can, in the, in the underneath game, Parker Livingstone is much better than Freddie DeBose. Uh, Freddie DeBose is just super raw. Um, and out of, out of the four receivers, I'd say he's probably the rawest of the ones they signed. Um, so you have two guys that kind of set the floor there, and then you have Aaron Butler, who you added, you know, kind of pulled out of your ass right there before signing day. Um, and he he's a violent ball player, uh, you know, and he gets a ball in his hands. You watch his film. He's searching for contact. Like he's he's not running down the sideline trying to avoid the DBs. He's coming off the sideline to run towards the DB and into him. Um, a lot of players don't play like that in college, especially at the receiver position. So interested to see, you know, how his aggressive play style will carry over into the SEC and into an offense like Sarks and, you know, talking to sources. Um, Aaron Butler kind of – it's kind of a mystery coming in. You know, they they had obviously expectations and, you know, different things they expected of him. But, you know, it, he's faster than they thought. Um, and, you know, it's kind of hard for that not to happen since they never saw him in person. Um but nonetheless, you know, I think he was a great ad, especially with the the fashion that they did it in. Um, and then you have Wingo. He, he's obviously going to be the headliner of the group. At uh, one point, I believe, was a number five overall prospect in the class by us. Uh, now he's a little lower, but, you know, still a five-star, still a projected first-round pick. Uh, you and me saw him down in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. And, you know, he he fit the bill and lived up to everything that had ever been said of him. And, you know, uh, 6'2", 210 pounds, you know, running sub-10 or sub-11 multiple times in high school. Uh, you know, athletes like that don't come around often. And, you know, even though I hit on the athleticism of the three guys in front of him, you know, Wingo is a different class athlete. Um, and there are only just a handful of players on the Texas roster that are the athlete that Ryan Wingo is um, at 6'2", 200 plus pounds and you know sub 11 that that just doesn't happen often um and he he's also you know just just as close to Isaiah Bond in speed I think obviously he's not up to speed with him yet but I think you know once Bond leaves for the NFL uh probably after next season then Wingo will probably be the fastest guy at least uh skill position on offense so yeah. Um, you know, it, it's really interested to see how they're going to use him um, or if they use him as a freshman. I assume so. You know, guys that big, that strong, that fast, you don't really want to keep them off the field regardless of how old they are. Um, and so, you know, I love some end arounds. You know, he kind of has – you know, he's obviously taller than Debo Samuel, but a similar uh, Debo Samuel build. And, you know, his older brother was a running back. He kind of runs like a running back when he has the ball in his hands as well. So, you know, incorporating end arounds, uh, I would love to see that. And or just figure out a way to get him the ball as a freshman, man, and, and let him run and get in space. But yeah. I know that's kind of all over the place, but, uh, you know, those are those are my thoughts on the, on the four receivers. It's kind of wild, like, in the history of, like, a quarterback opting to forego the NFL draft, it sounds weird saying it that way, like, not forego their senior season, like, forego the NFL draft and come back. Like, has, has a quarterback ever been more – like, and he lost so much talent around him. Uh, just like all the offensive production um, and they've just reloaded with, with all these dudes. Um, you know, I, I feel like Quinn Ewers is like, he looks like a genius now for coming back with the guys that he's going to be able to like, you know, kind of boost his, his NFL draft draft stock with it's, it's wild. Just you know, like, it'd be yeah. interesting to go back and look to see, like, I guess you could probably compare it to like an Alabama year, you know, where they, you know, they, uh, you know, Judy rugs and, um, 
who else went to the NFL after I think the 2020 season, Irv Smith, uh, or the 2019 season, you know, and they replaced him with, you know, Smitty, Jalen Waddle. Um, so it's kind of like, it's almost like they're, that's kind of what is taking shape of at this point in terms of kind of the, the, the reload, uh, compared to rebuild. So, yeah. And yeah. even at like towards the end of the season last year, like, I was like, man, why the hell would Quinn Ewers come back? Like, what are we, why are we even talking? Why are we having this conversation? Right. He's always been about the bag. That's why I went to Ohio State. He's losing all his receivers. The NFL is right there. Why would he not leave? Right. But he's coming back, uh, you know, obviously uh, in October when I was making those comments in the Horns 24 7 group chat or whatever it was. Uh, wasn't factoring in the transfer portal or that Sark would kind of go and stuff everyone in the locker for the best players in the portal, at least at skill position on offense. So, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I'd say you're probably right. Probably probably the happiest man in Austin, one of them, um, and probably one yeah. of the smartest men in Austin. Uh, now it looks like it. Yeah. I see in the comments Chris Bennett just said Beck – I saw that on Twitter. Beck just bought a 300K Lambo, so – Looks like he's doing well in Athens also. Maybe this is the new trend in IL era. You know, you see more guys that are maybe projected, you know, day two picks, maybe even day one, late day one. I don't know. Decide to come back um, with the NIL opportunities they have. But, um, no, it's wild. Um, I sent Melvin Hills, uh, for those that are watching that aren't – Melvin Hills, obviously, the, the defensive line signee from Louisiana. Um you know, what a, a, you know, one of the quiet, like best personalities of, of this class. Uh, I think fans are going to really like him. Um, we invited him to come on. He's at us. He's at his school and they're doing a signing day ceremony for the other guys. So we'll see if he pops up. If he doesn't, no big deal. But uh, he was kind of a big, you know, with, with this with with Bo Davis leaving for LSU. You know how that was kind of the big one of the big recruiting storylines for January is, you know, the guys are signed. But, you know, there's, you know, they guys can pretty much do whatever they want. <laughs> you know, they can, uh, you know, if you're, if you're under a letter of intent, you know, uh, we saw Deontre Robinson, the, the uh, four-star defensive line signee, he backed out of it, or he asked out of it, Texas gate, you know, Stark let him out. You know, I thought, you know, what else, you know, he, uh, what were you guys here? I thought that was Melvin. Uh, yeah. You know, he wanted to have guys that want to be there. And so, you know, uh, Deontre Robinson decided to stay closer to home. He's going to Florida, Texas. We'll see him in Austin um, next, uh, this fall. Um, Alex January, obviously Texas legacy. That wasn't the guy that was really at risk of, uh, you know, the, the fans didn't have to really worry about him changing his mind. He was, he was set on Texas. Um, he's already on campus and roll, but then Melvin Hills, you know, after Bo Davis's news like that, he was, Bo Davis was one of the big reasons he committed. Um, but you know, he kind of stayed patient. He waited to see who they hired. Obviously they got Kenny Baker. They've already met, um, and, you know, he's going to, he wants to stick with Texas. And so, you know, he had, quietly a really strong senior season i think i don't have his numbers right in front of me but you know he had over 10 sacks you know probably a lot more than that but uh he did really well but i mean just talk about your thoughts on you know and then you got tia savea from arizona as well so not the biggest defensive line class i think for the grade we gave it uh a b I mean, we had a b in december we kept it a b you know you lose you lose robinson add savea i think that's kind of a you know interchangeable there you know maybe if they didn't lose robinson and, and got savea we bumped that in the a range or b plus range but we won't be like what do you think about you know these guys going into the sec um look i, I like the guys they took but i don't like the number of guys they took uh you know even at even at the end there when they had three guys committed uh in high school and alex january melvin hills and, and deandre robinson they were still looking for a fourth and alex foster maybe even dominic mckinley they their goal and their hope was to sign four interior defensive linemen. And now they only signed two. Um, so anytime uh, your desired number gets cut in half, obviously not a good thing. Um, you know, the the blow is softened a bit with the, uh, the addition of Savea from Arizona. But, you know, portal players aren't high school players. High school players you have for up to four years, you have time to develop and work with. The window is much shorter. And the – the, the the opportunity to miss on a player um, is much greater with high school than with portal players, like depending on how you do it. But if a high school player busts compared to a portal player, you know, there's a lot less drawback on the high school thing because it's kind of expected. 
Yeah. Um, so them not having Deontay Robinson in the class, only having two interior D linemen, uh, honestly, not wild about that. Uh, I'd like to see him if possible. I know they're over the numbers, so that'll be tricky. But if it was possible, I'd like to see him uh, go get another interior D lineman out of the portal once it opens again in April. Yep. Um, but, I mean, for, for what happened with, with Bo Davis, you know, leaving and, you know, all the other dominoes, I guess, that fell in defensive line recruiting, kind of the, the best-case scenario, you know, Melvin Hills definitely could have left the class. Alex January could have left the class as well. And, you know, Savannah could have gone other other places as well. But, you know, they made it happen and kept those guys committed and ended up getting Savannah. And, you know, it seems like uh, at least the defensive line, things will be pretty smooth up until uh, April when um, – well, I mean, they'd probably be smooth the whole way through. But April is when I assume uh, we could see some activity there in the D-line room either – entering or exiting so yeah 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 i'll be interesting it was kind of wild you know with with bo davis leaving like how many i mean like it was expected but the ripple effects just with with you know things dropped off with alex foster uh you know that kind of went out of the window dimitri um the dimitri nicholas was a, a guy they offered in the fall who was committed to auburn i think he's i think tom loy on 24 7 put in a crystal yeah. ball for him to he go ended to up yeah Did he, he ended up maryland? signing with maryland today okay so, you know, I don't, I'm not sure Nicholas was ever actually, you know, on the radar as a take. I think it was a guy yeah. they were evaluating as a senior. Um, but, you know, he never visited. That wasn't a huge thing. Um, and, and, yeah, we'll see how it affects the 2025 class. But, yeah, kind of wild. And then Dominic McKinley, I, I would still be curious to see, you know, like had Bo Davis stayed in Austin, you know, what would have happened with McKinley? Like would he have really still flipped to LSU? You know, he was supposed to visit Tennessee in January. Like they were setting up other visits and then – you know, I think they got wind that that was going to happen. And, you know, that was I think that they were probably looking for an excuse to not an excuse, but, you know, looking for more of a reason, you know, to go to LSU and, you know, having Bo Davis there plus the in-state school, you know, it makes sense. So that was a big gift for them. And then, you know, you got to factor in, you know, the Michigan portal is still open. What for two more weeks, two and a half more weeks? I don't know when that was actually. Yeah. And the D-line uh, coach is going to L.A. Yeah, he's going with Harbaugh to L.A. So, you know, I know Texas fans, you know, are looking at Mason Graham on, on the Michigan roster, Kenneth Grant. Um, you know, that, that's just all speculation. You know, you don't know if those guys are going to. But I think Kenneth Grant, like, was following Sark on Twitter. And, you know, there's no actual tool to tell, like, who are the recent follows. At least I have – there used to be one, which was really handy covering recruiting. But, uh, you know, I don't think there's, like, an accurate one now. So maybe he was already following. I don't know. But – um yeah. yeah, we'll see if uh, that. But I, I would certainly think that Texas will keep their uh, their eyes and ears open for uh, for guys in the spring. You know, obviously it helps that you have Alfred Collins deciding to come back as well. But then Troll Carter leaves, and it's like, well, you know, uh, you got to get some more bodies there for sure. Yeah, uh, Vernon Broughton is going to have to. He's going to have to step up and you know have a. <laughs> I mean, it. He probably would have been. He would have ended up on an NFL team if he was to come out this past season, but. Yeah. In terms of being drafted, he's, he's going to have to step it up. Um, and, you know, he's played well in the reps he's had. But, you know, like I in my lifetime, I've seen very few players um, wear the burnt orange and play to the degree they did last year, at least the two defensive linemen they had last year. And those are big shoes to fill. So, yeah. you know, Alfred Collins and Vernon Broaden have a lot on their plate. And, you know, so do the guys, you know, those, those guys rotate a lot. So, so does Dre Bledsoe and whoever's going to end up being, you know, his, I guess, rotational partner, whether it's Sadir Mitchell or Savea or, you know, insert here. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see who kind of becomes the alpha in that room. Yeah, no, it will. Um, obviously, I don't think we should go any longer. I don't know if Melvin Hills is going to happen, but. Uh, You're good. We shouldn't go any longer without talking about the defensive backs. Um, you know, that was – oh, and I got to ask, can you hear my dog scratching on the door? Mm -mm. Okay, I good. can't. Okay. I think I, I separated it by, like, two doors, so I can hear okay. it. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, defensive backs, you know, that was, you know, interchangeable number one spot, in our opinion, between them and, and the, the wide receivers in terms of, you know, just the hall. Um you know, both portal and high school, you know, Xavier Filsamy, Kobe Black, the two biggest high school signees. Then you factor those, you pair those guys in with uh, Jordan Johnson, Rebel, Wardell Max, and Tana Wilson. And then the cherry on top was 
Makuba. Um, you know, you've seen all these guys. You see, you see these guys more than anybody sees these guys. Oh, he says he was backstage. Hold on. Can someone let him in? Let's see. BK might have to let him in. I don't have the ability to do that. Uh, Are you okay, texting him? Yeah, let me take. Let me ask him to let him in. Sorry, everyone. Sorry, Melvin. I remember the day I actually met Melvin. Um, we spent, we talked for about an hour and spent probably like 40 minutes of the conversation talking about food. I'm dead serious. <laughs> um, sunny, sunny day in January in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, 2023. Let's see. Melvin. Maybe we missed the window. I told him 1120. He said he was backstage. Maybe he has to go do stuff. I don't know. I said join again. We'll see if I let him in. If he pops up, we'll talk to him. But, yeah, I mean, just talk about – you see these defensive backs more than anybody. Um, all these players more than anybody. Bradshaw's going to let Melvin in. So, you know, until Melvin joins us, what uh, what are your thoughts on this class? Uh, the, for DBs, I mean, my, my favorite's got to be Phil Simi. Um, You know, I was talking about – the type of athlete Ryan Wingo is and how there's only a handful of them, you know, on this roster. And, you know, I, I think Phil Smith is in that same category as Wingo. Um, I'm sorry. I was reading a comment. <laughs> um, but uh, and you also, you know, you have proven guys um, like Kobe Black, right, who I've, time and time again at camps and games, everything has shown, you know, he's an elite defensive back. And you also, you know, have developmental upside guys like Wardell Mack, who, you know, large majority of his high school career has been a, has been a quarterback. So, you know, he, he's going to need time to, to fully make that transition to DB. Um, Hank, just let me know when you want me to stop talking. <laughs> no, you're going to keep talking. Uh, okay, okay. And I'm uh, listening. Give me one, I'm, keep going. One second. You're good. Uh <laughs> Uh, Wardell Mack is going to need some time to fully make that transition to, to being a playable defensive back at the, the college football level, especially in the SEC. Uh, Jordan Johnson, New Bell, um, you know, I think he has future starting Texas nickelback written all over him. Um, he played that position, you know, a large chunk of his career, at IMG, if not the whole time. Um, he also got reps in at, at safety as a whole. He could do that as well. But, you know, in, I mean, honestly, J.J.R. could play anywhere in the secondary, but um, I don't think they would ever stick him out of boundary just because of size concerns. Um, but if it came to it, you know, I would feel strongly that, that he could hold his own. Um, and then you also – who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting Santana Wilson. That's who I always forget just because he's so quiet and he's out in Arizona. Yeah. Um, but Santana Wilson, man, um, you know, out of the four guys I've kind of gone through so far – the best bloodlines, you know, are, are Santana's. His father, Adrian Wilson, obviously played in the league. He's now in uh, the Cardinals front office, um, you know, helping them make personnel decisions. And, you know, with, with Santana, it was, it was kind of weird. Um, wasn't on the radar a ton for Texas and came by on, on an official about a week or two after, I believe, Texas had offered him and committed on the visit. And, you know, that, <laughs> that was kind of it. Uh, never wavered from it. I don't think visited anywhere else. I believe he came for one or two uh, games this fall. Um, but that was pretty much it. You know, uh, he's a business-minded guy. Uh, and, you know, everyone we've ever talked to has said, you know, he approaches everything like, like it's a business. And, you know, they think a lot of that might have come from his dad and, uh, you know, type of professional his dad was. Um, and, you know, anytime you can have bloodlines with, with some NFL experience in there, it's a plus and, you know, he's a he's a plus six foot corner with a, a plus wingspan. You know, he's going to live out on the boundary and, you know, him and Kobe Black are probably going to, you know, be real close buddies since out of anyone in these class. You know, those two guys project to the boundary more than anyone else, at least in my opinion. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. What do you think, you know, and then we saw Texas try to, um, you know, try to go out and get Jabbar Muhammad um, from Washington. You know, that probably would have undoubtedly put db as you know the number one i mean it probably still is but you know in terms of uh ranking the position groups i think if you add Muhammad to that group he probably would have been uh up there but yeah you know you got to think manny muhammad has that one spot locked down you know and then the, the battle will be you know who's gonna who's gonna field the other uh other side this fall but um 
yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And I don't I don't from what I've been told, you know, I don't think they're going to go after any more defensive backs. I guess you know it's, it's always fluid because you know you say you're not going to do something, but then you know you might have been done at wide receiver, then Isaiah Bond enters the portal, and it's like, oh well, we need Isaiah Bond too. So like we'll see, you know, coming out of spring, who Texas is looking at. But I think it'll probably mainly revolve around um, you know defensive line. And then obviously there's going to be a numbers crunch too. You know, you have to have, you have to be at 85 or under in terms of scholarships and they're currently over. So, um, you know, there are going to have to be some guys that, that go elsewhere. Um, I yeah. see Jose Rodriguez said he doesn't like the way the Bo Davis situation went down. Looks like he had one foot in one foot out. I get it. Uh, but you know, I think, and Chip reported on this on horse 24 seven, you know, he was, I think a big thing was he wanted to coach his son. Um, at the next level, who's also named, I think his name is also Bo. Um, <laughs> yeah, but not, it's B E A U. That's my nephew, how my nephew spells his name. But uh, so, you know, in Texas, I think they were working on maybe that happening and, and him being able to play Texas. I just don't think they could, you know, in terms of uh, the admissions, they couldn't, you know, figure that out until the spring. And I think LSU could figure that out now. So, you know, went the safer route and, and did that. And obviously, you know, he's, he's from losing it. Like that's his place. So, you know, it makes sense. And I, I think, you know, Texas got a big time hire and Kenny Baker, you know, everyone we've talked to. So they love the guy. Um, you know, obviously hopefully we'll, we'll get to talk to Melvin if, if this works out, but uh, you know, it sounds like he really likes him. Talk to um, um, who else have we talked to that that's already met him? Oh, uh, Landon Rink. We talked to him last week. You know, he said he brings yeah. the juice and he Landon Rink even said, you know, I, I think everyone kind of just assumes he's going to go to Texas, but he was telling me when, when I interviewed him, you know, with Bo Davis leaving, it kind of dropped Texas down for him in, in his opinion. And, you know, meeting Baker brought him right back up. So, you know, I think, I, I think we both agree that we think he's going to end up at Texas still, but you know, it's not going to be because his dad played at Texas. It's going to be because, you know, he feels most comfortable and, and best about best about there, but you know, you still got to think, you know, his relationship with, with the Vosics, you know, with, with their push, the in-state, the legacy, the ties, you know, it's hard not to see him picking Texas um, in the 2025 class, but um, anything you want to add there on on rank? You you know you've seen him with playing with Trey. Yeah, yeah, no, no, nothing really that you hit on. But uh, yeah, we definitely expected him to be in the class. Um, so, you know, since it's signing day, I know we kind of had our flow going through position groups, but since it's signing day, you know, you're old, you've been around, you've been covered. What? How many nine cycles of recruiting? Yeah, tw- uh, 2016 was my first full recruiting cycle okay. covering when I was covering Alabama. So I so, started. I started in March of 2015. Okay. So what do you think is your craziest signing day story? And it can be early signing day as well, because I know uh, that became more popular later in yeah. your career. It was weird because, like, yeah, 2016 and 17 were the first two were were normal, just February signing day. Then the early mm-hmm. signing period started in the class of 2018. So December of 2017 was the first time guys could sign early. Um, craziest signing because like back then it was like you know guys early enrollees like like december would happen and then the enrollment time would come and you wouldn't really know where a guy was going to go because they weren't signed they just had to show up somewhere and enroll and so like you know i remember back like Najee harris is like the best example of like the chaos that that could kind of could ensue from that you know we were at the when it was the army bowl the all-american bowl down in san antonio and Najee, like, like he was committed to Alabama from April of 2015 until he went to Alabama. But, like, he wouldn't really say he was committed to Alabama, like, outside of when he originally committed. It was the craziest thing. Um, he didn't want to talk about recruiting, didn't want to talk about anything. But if you wanted to talk about, like, working out or, you know, anything else besides recruiting, he loved talking about that kind of stuff. Uh, great personality. But, um, no, that we were at the Army Bowl, and he was – we were like literally flight tracking. Like we were, we were trying to figure out cause the army ball obviously pays for your travel going home. And we were trying to figure out where his flight from San Antonio was going to go. Like, was he going to go back to Oakland to home? Was he going to go to Michigan who was trying to flip him? I was seeing text messages of like, you know, he already had room, his roommate and everything set up in Michigan. Um, and then we were talking to Tua, Tua Tungvaloa, who was at the army ball with them. They were very close friends. Um, and he was, like Tua was like our guy. Like he was giving us the info. He was like, "No, Najee's flying to Birmingham with me." We we're like, "Okay, cool. That's a major story." Um, and so we reported that, and then that blew up. And then after the actual game on that Saturday, 
uh, we went on the field to talk to him. I stayed there all week just to like talk to him that last time. And mm-hmm. I was like, and I think I have a tweet from him. I was like, Najee Harris still doesn't know where he's going to go. He was saying he doesn't know where he's going to go. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. after that, uh, that Sunday, uh, there was a tweet from one of the national guys saying he's on a flight back to Oakland. And so I, uh, and I was obviously in Texas. Um, and so I, my wife's whole family is in Birmingham. And so I hit up her cousin and I was like, I need you to go to the airport in Birmingham and just like, wait, cause it's a smaller airport. Um, and he's like, okay, cool. He like, he's like all about Alabama football. And yeah. uh, I'm like, when you see Najee, like, tell me, and we're going to blow this open. And uh, I waited like an hour and he get, he, he got a text to him saying like, Oh my gosh, he's here. And I was like, okay, well, I trust you, but I also need a picture. Like, I, I like, yeah. And he was, and so I waited another like ten minutes. I think AL.com report was there too, and he sends me a picture, and it's he went and got a picture with Najee. Like he <laughs> he wanted to like, and then Tua was with him too. So that was like Najee officially got to Alabama. So that's one of them. I mean, that was just insane. We couldn't write you enough still, about Najee. That uh, you still have like, that photo? Uh yes, from the I airport. Do. Was it a selfie or did he have someone else take it? He had someone else that he was with his girlfriend. Um, that's that's hilarious. It was so funny. I don't take any. He, he helped me out too with the uh, Kool Aid McKinstry's announcement. Let's see. And who that was Tua? Funny. <laughs> What's that? Who who helped you, Tua? No, no, no. Or uh, your cousin, like my, my wife's cousin. He helped me. Oh with, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh okay. So he said, uh, "I said, can you send a picture? We just have to confirm." It's doing that thing where it's like loading. So, oh yeah, pictures there. It's it's on Twitter if you just go look up Najee like, arrives <laughs> at Alabama. But no, that yeah. was a crazy one. Another crazy one that doesn't get talked about a lot. It was um, what was it? It was the class of because like back back then you could still like everyone wasn't sold on the early signing period at first, so there was still like a lot of February buzz in the twenty. I think it was the twenty eighteen class because like we waited for. Uh, like Sertain didn't announce until February. Jalen Waddle didn't announce until February. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm talking about all Alabama guys. Like that's my like history. But yeah. uh uh Jerez Parks was a top 100 edge rusher from Florida. And uh oh what's up? Hey. What's up? 50, 50. <laughs> we didn't even know you were joining. What's good? Yeah, I'm straight. I'm on my coach in a in the coach's office right now. Right, oh, right cool, man. Well, thank yeah. you for uh, thanks for doing this, man. No problem. Yeah. Well, well yeah, we were just it. talking about uh, you know, um, obviously, you know, you signed in December, so there's not a lot of not a lot happened for you today. But just talk about you know this last four months or not four months, four weeks. You know, you you see Coach Davis leave to LSU. Texas hires Coach Baker. Just like what yeah. kind of what was your take on all this and, and the coaching transition after you'd already signed. Um, I mean, it, it caught me by surprise. It really caught everybody by surprise. All the recruits and everything, we was all talking about it. And um, but like my main goal was to just like focus on what Coach Stark was gonna do and like and see what they was gonna come with next and see the next coach that they was gonna bring in and like see how he was uh, gonna fill the program, fill up the spot that Coach Boyle left. Yeah. What um, you know, you you had a chance to meet Coach Baker, right? Oh yeah, sir. What are what are your impressions of him? He a good, honest dude. Um, he told me about his career as a player and as a coach, um, the life challenges he went through, and the ways that he'll use me in, um, in many versatile ways and everything. So, I really uh, enjoyed the energy that he brought to the conversation and um, and just everything like he, the honesty that he kept uh, kept me with. Yeah. What I mean, just go back to your commitment. You know, obviously, Coach Davis was a big part of your commitment, but you know, just Texas, the program. You know what. What's kept you comfortable with Texas outside of just, you know, maybe the coaches or I mean, it could be the coaches. Like what, what's kept you comfortable with that decision and what originally kind of led you to, to picking Texas? Um, <laughs> um, the, really the, the other recruits and uh, some of the old players, um, they told me like the, the, um, the standard and the nature of Texas and, um, and how they all going, how they all doing right now with the early, um, early enrollment. They are, they are loving it right now. So, and then, and then I bought, I made a bond with most of the players, so that really helped it too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey Melvin, I just I remember uh, us talking about your official visit ahead of it, and you said uh, Byron Murphy was gonna he was gonna be your host, and then afterward you said everybody started calling you Baby Byron. So how important was Byron Murphy to uh, to to hosting you on the OV, and you know you still hating the the Baby Byron nickname? 
Yeah, I don't, I don't like. Just call me Melvin. Like, nah. I got you. We've been saying we look alike for no reason. But um, nah. Um, him being my host is, is a good thing. Like, it was a good special thing. Uh, knowing that he's one of the like top two, top two D linemen going in the draft this year. Um, I just hope some of that energy that he had came up for me. Uh, so I could be the next best thing. Yeah. Yeah. What, so, uh, yeah. Go, go ahead, ahead Hank. Okay. You, you got what, so you know you're you're gonna enroll in, in in the summer. You know what are you doing now? Like, are you doing any other sports this spring? Like, what's kind of your? You were telling me today's a, a stretch day, right? Like, what what's kind of your regimen now to kind of get ready for uh, making the move to Austin? Um, just building up my strength and building up weight. Uh, right now I'm two eight, um, and I'm just trying to make sure I can move with that weight, uh, keep my strength up. Um, my coach been making me do uh, arm and chest days, leg days, back days, but today uh, it's more of like a full body, um, full body rest day, like keeping your body like fluid and everything. Yeah, I'm just making sure like I come with like already like with good strength. Making sure, like my uh, goal for right now is to be, be able to bench press like 350 while I go in, uh, squat over 100. I mean 500. I'm, I'm pretty pretty much almost there. But um, just making sure my my quickness stay, my versatility stay, and uh, that my body just stay loose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you said that's what you're doing. You know, working out. Uh, you know, I met you uh, the same day I met Clyde. You know, out in Lafayette, uh, same day I met Jakeem too. Uh, what are you working on with Clyde? You know, your skills training for for defensive line work. What are y'all focusing on right now as you get ready to go to Texas in a few months? Uh, right now, I haven't been able to go back to New Orleans and then uh, work mm -hmm. out. He, uh, he showed me some moves that I've been working out every day, and um, and just been practicing and uh, just trying to perfect craft with like with the cross chop, or making sure I stay low with the dip, or pointing my toe, or just all the small things, just all the small aspects of the game. Yeah, yeah, um, and you know, I guess we'll just talk your recruitment as a whole since it's pretty much wrapped up. Um, you know, what do you think is your favorite part of you know getting all these offers and getting recruited over the last few years? You know what. Looking back, what do you think? If you had to say what your favorite part was, what do you say it is? I see, like visiting the different states, like going to Georgia, where everybody is, is visiting the schools, see the standards, seeing their culture, and then going to Texas and seeing theirs, and then like see the coaches talking to you about it, like all the places. Like, yeah, there was more places I wanted to visit, but like a lot of these places that I already went to visit, like the, their culture was different from like Louisiana's. And like they all had their own type of like feeling around it, and you need to try new things, do different things, meet new people. So like it was really just growing my knowledge of the world. Yeah. Um. And how important was it for you and and your commitment to Texas that that you know Derek Williams was on the roster, that that Wardell Mack was going to be on the roster? These other guys from Louisiana and from the boot, you know, did that did that make Texas you know easier to commit to, knowing that those guys from Louisiana are also down there? Yeah, of course, like, knowing that you got people from your state that you could already, like, get a, a easy conversation out of or talk about back home and everything, like, talk about things back home. So, like, I, I knew Derek, like, since I was young. Me and Derek been playing football with each other. And uh, seeing him on the roster when I go to the game, me and him always chatting it up, talking and everything. And then meeting up new other Louisiana players that I played with or played against, um, that was a good feeling knowing and that they was doing good in Austin. Yeah, yeah, and – this is one thing I've always wanted to ask you. Um, you know, I've I've seen you wear number fifty five in high school. Are you gonna wear that at, at Texas? And also, you know, why why number fifty five? A pretty interesting number for an interior D lineman. All right, so look, um, this year I wore fifty five. I was supposed to get a single digit, but I was I was helping mm. my my coach on offense and defense, so um, I really couldn't get a, a single digit. But fifty five, it was just like my sophomore year, I think. And I was going in, and I had a big number my freshman year, and I was like, we can't rock that. We can't rock that. We got to go with something different. And um, and I was, I saw 5'5", five, five and I was like, nah, I'm going to rock this one. It looked nice because nobody on my team, like, my freshman year, nobody had 55. Like, 55, like, was off the off the uh, paper. Like, we couldn't get it. And then I just saw it on the paper that year, and I was like, I'm going to just make my own name out of it. Yeah. Do you want to wear 55 at Texas, or are you looking for something else? Uh, I was thinking about that. My, me and my family was thinking about when. Uh, what number? Mm, but uh, it's still in consideration. Got it. Talk Got about it. uh, you know, just and we won't keep you much longer. You know, you you talk about this group of, uh, of commits, and you know, you said you you've already got to know those guys, and, and you know, feel comfortable with them. But like, yeah, you guys have a group chat. You know, what's 
you know, what's the bond like with those guys? Like, who have you gotten to know the best? Like, who are you, who you feel close with so far in this 2024 class? Uh, I've been talking to um, Daniel. Uh, I've been talking to Z. Um, like we just we all just be in the group chat talking to each other, like just talking about like what we gonna like what they be doing, what we gonna do, and everything like that. So yeah. like we get a, like a, a feeling of each other, and, like how we all act and everything. We and see the different personalities, and we, and we just and we just all just try to be cool and rock with it. Um, we we don't be uh we don't be doing too much. We just be like joking around, having fun, and everything. When you're talking to other guys about like I don't know much like peer to peer recruiting you did, but like you know, sliding in other guys' DMs and, and you know, trying to, to, to get them to, to come to Texas with you. What's, like, kind of your recruiting pitch? I'll be like, I'm going to keep it a stack with you, bro. Like, we want Like, you we got everything. You got everything that really asks for, like, in football, for real. You got, we got a good education. We got a good football program. Um, We got different, like, coaches around. We got different people to meet. Um, And it's just, like, it's, probably, it's most definitely different from where you came from. Unless you're from Austin already, yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. Yeah. Uh, I guess in, for me, if it wasn't Texas, where do you think you would have ended up? I really don't know. Like, I, I like after I committed, like I really never really thought about what other schools I'll go to. Like they had Ole Miss, like they was close in Auburn, they was close and everything, but um, like they wasn't really like close enough to be able to say, oh, "I'm gonna pick that." That would be the place I'll go if I didn't go to Texas. Yeah. Yeah, and then I remember the day I met you when it was like me, you, Sandy, uh, Jakeem, Nick, and Clyde talking. We spent probably 40 minutes of an hour, me and you, talking about food and different food on different visits. So I got to ask you, because you hadn't visited Texas at that time, but you were just saying that A&M and Alabama had really bad food on the visit. How did it stack up at Texas? Now, their food was better. Alabama had, like, hot dogs and stuff, like, <laughs> like a – going to a barbecue but like Texas had like like tacos steak all that stuff like that so uh they, they food was most definitely better and I'm, yeah. I'm a, I need my food to be good yeah yeah lay like Tavondre sweat you come to Texas they got all the food you could think of yeah but uh, uh with Texas how did the visit experience uh not just your OV but anytime you go to Texas how is it different compared to other schools you know from a visit experience uh, every time I went, I felt a connection with the players and, uh, and the coaches. Like, I always had an intriguing conversation with somebody. Or, like, um, we talked about their experience. Um, like, they always show, like, um, like, like I was a part of the team already. Yeah. yeah. I got one more question. Uh, Super Bowl is this weekend. What is uh, – who's your pick? Are you a Chiefs guy or are you a 49ers guy? I wanted the Ravens to go. I wanted the Ravens to go so bad. Um – well, my girlfriend cousin play on the Forty Niners, so I'm gonna say Forty Niners. Okay. Who who's your cousin? Elijah Mitchell. Okay. Cool. Okay. He's yeah, a rookie, he right? Yeah. Nah. No, he's your second year guy. He's second or third, I think. Okay. Running back, I can't right? Remember? Yeah, yeah. La Tech, right? He wanted to score that other touchdown, so like that, that, that was like, dang. Okay. Well, Jordan's a Forty Niners guy too, so. Yeah, I'm I'm a Forty Niners fan, so. Well, cool, yeah. Well, hey. Yeah, thanks so much, man, for joining us, you know, taking some time out of your day. Congratulations on everything. You know, we're looking forward to to covering your career in Austin, and, uh, you know, maybe we'll be able to talk again soon. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You are, this is my last question. You already know who your roommate's going to be at Texas when you move in in June? Oh, I really don't. I might. Gotcha. The players got their own rooms. So yeah, I'm, someone was telling me there are no roommates anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind, then. <laughs> hey, yeah. Well, cool, well, man. Hey, well, hey. Yeah, take care, Melvin. Thanks for talking again. Let's see it. The Lafayette landlord. That was fun. The goat. It was fun. We should, we should, you know, Hanky, you're a smart man. Jeff and I will try to get some guests on uh, as we can throughout this offseason. Yeah, I actually, I hit up uh, Aaron Ross as well. um, Because I was going to work, I was working on a story that I'm still bummed I couldn't have done about uh Dwayne Aquina coming back to Texas. Yeah. You already know about this. But yeah, what a crushed. You know, kind of the the DBU guys uh from the past about, you know, because they were all pumped. You know, I hit up Cedric Griffin and you know he set me up with a bunch of guys and you know Aaron Ross called me and I was like, man, I wish we could do this story, but he's staying in Arizona. Um and so you know I texted him, see if he wanted to come. It was kind of late notice, but 
I wanted to get like his thoughts from, you know, recruiting back in the day to now. Um, obviously it, it was probably a little bit different um, when he came to Texas, but, uh, but yeah, maybe we'll do that another time, but um, I guess we've got a few more minutes to go, but you know, I wanted to talk about the Super Bowl, you know, especially with your, your fandom, you know, what, uh, how or, do you think it's going to play out? Don't you want to finish up your story that <laughs> Melvin kind of just got placed? In oh the yeah. Of? Yeah. Dress yeah. parks. Um, yeah. Oh, good call. I forgot about that. So yeah, I think it was, I think he was class of 2018, but um, it was, he was a top 100 recruit. Uh, Ed Roger, he was at the all American bowl and then he was going to announce in February. So he comes out um, to his announcement ceremony and he gets a phone call and like, he like is visibly upset. And so like, you kind of think like, Oh, is, you know, are they, is someone saying no thanks? Like, are they like, is he getting dropped? Is like, well, what's happening here? And this is right before he's supposed to This is to like literally like, he's like minutes before um, announcing, I guess, or signing. I, I have to go back and look at all the details, but we're like, what's happening? Because like we were we were projecting Alabama, I want to say at that time. Um, it was either Alabama or Florida. I think, um, hold on. Now I'm thinking about it. I want to just go back and dress parks. Great kid. Um Sebastian River, Florida. That's also the same school as Tim Smith, their defensive lineman. Um, okay, he committed 2017. Okay, so he was – this wasn't the early signing period. This was the last – this was the last run of uh, February signing day. So this was the year of like – this was that 2017 Alabama class that had two Najee, Smitty, Judy, Ruggs, all those guys. Um, but, yeah, Florida State, Auburn, um, Florida were some other schools in it for him. But, yeah, so basically, like, something – he got a weird call uh, of some point. Like, I don't know if it was Saban calling him, saying, like, hey. But uh, he had he had gone to Paris to shoot a commitment video with Bleacher Report at the time. And he was, and the video was, like, committing to Alabama. And, like, so, like, I don't know. If the, but ba- bottom uh, – long story short he gray shirted that was like back in the, like we don't even hear about that kind of stuff anymore like gray shirt blue shirt you know i think red shirt yeah. still obviously something we talk about but you know gray shirt was where you delay your enrollment until um you know a year i guess a year or semester later uh basically it's it was part of the numbers crunch that now we don't really have to ever worry about it anymore because the cap isn't 25 so it's basically like saying, hey, we want you, but we're going to add you to next year's numbers. So that was the whole thing with that. But, you know, it, with it all happening, like right when he was announcing, it was that was like one of the more memorable ones that I can think of um, in that class of 2017. And then, you know, everything else. Uh, I have to go back and look at all the classes. But Henry Ruggs, you know, is, you know, as tragic as his careers unfolded, he had a really cool commitment video. Um Cause he dedicated like kind of everything to his, he had a friend that passed away in a car accident like a year before. And so like he dedicated like his place, his playing career to him. And like his video was like at his grave saying like, I'm going to leave my mark for you or something. And then, you know, we, we saw how that ended up unfortunately with his, uh, that, yeah. Yeah. That's really, yeah. that's a really sad situation. But um, yeah, there, there's a bunch of them. We could, we could probably spend a whole hour talking about like crazy recruiting stories. I can remember. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, let's get your Super Bowl pick while we got a couple more minutes. San Fran by a thousand. Take it to the bank. No, uh, wouldn't take that to the man, bank. Man, look, as a, as a 49ers fan, this is my thing. And also, if I, anyone ever gives me shit, this hoodie is just – I'm a LeBron fan. That dude's kind of my childhood, so not, not really a Lakers fan, more of a LeBron fan. But for, for the 49ers, as a 49ers fan, I've kind of already – I've accepted defeat, so in case they lose, you know, it makes it a lot easier. Um, just because anytime you play Mahomes, man, you're – especially in the playoffs, you're probably going to lose, right? You know, I all the other factors, I don't care about. They have Mahomes, we have a Brock Purdy, right? Uh, the, a little unfair fight, right? So, um, to mentally prepare myself for letdown, I'm, I'm already in my head. I've told myself we're losing, we're going to lose this game. Um, but you know, all that'll be out the window as soon as, uh, the foot <laughs> touches the ball and kickoff probably. Brock Purdy, um, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. He's getting the, the doppelganger comparison this week at media days. Yeah, the questions yeah, I've seen at those media that. days are the, like the most outrageous questions I've ever seen. 
Uh, Dude, they're letting anyone in. Like, I'm on TikTok, and people are showing up on my For You. It'll be TikTokers at, like, the Super Bowl media day, and it's just like – like, dude, I, I get I get the hustle for media shit. Like, I'm I used to make fake credentials to sneak into games because that's how bad I wanted to cover games and to work in media, right? I got get the hustle, I get it, but like at some point they gotta they gotta do a screening for who can be allowed in there. Cause like like why is Brock Purdy getting asked if he's ready to disappoint Taylor Swift and like bullshit like that? You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing? I saw <laughs> like, one dude asked uh, Andy Reid. His thoughts and the conspiracy theories that they're putting the Chiefs in the Super Bowl to uh, reelect Joe Biden for Taylor Swift to like have more influence on young voters, like just outrageous. <laughs> and he was like, "That's just out of my. Uh, that's like I can't. I can't answer that. It's the most most crazy, uh, crazy question." But uh, then I saw Kyle Shanahan was having a good night. I guess it was last night. He was uh, at a few beverages. It looked like or sounded like he was having a good time. They were all saying he was. Uh, he might have oh. been a little bit uh, tipsy at media days, but uh, who knows? Maybe he was just having fun. But um, yeah, man, I think uh, I would like the 49ers to pull it out, um, change it up a little bit. But I just, yeah, I feel like just Mahomes is inevitable. You know, they're going to figure out a way to, to pull it out. Yeah, they just look, they, if they go up 10 again in the fourth quarter, I'm going to like have to watch with my eyes closed. But, um, just be be smarter about holding the ball. Uh, you can't give the ball back to Mahomes long at all. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, there we go, Michael. That's what I'm talking about. There we go. But with we, we got to hold the ball, right? We can't give the ball back to he. He's the baby goat. That's what he is at the end of the day. Like, and if we if we don't want to give him the goat status yet, most talented arm of all time, at least that I've ever yeah. seen. Got to be. Right, but I, I wouldn't argue with that. Okay. This, I don't know, there's a lot of Mahomes haters. Twenty six, like, is he twenty? He's twenty plus. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, pretty I mean, wild. The people, the people who covered him in high school just won't shut up about it. Um, <laughs> like we, we get it. You covered Patrick Mahomes in high school, and he played safety. We understand. Well, someone um, was saying, like, did Texas Tech waste? You know, the fact that Mahomes played there, recruiting wise, like. That's like the ultimate, like, hey, Patrick Mahomes played here. Like, you should come here too. And obviously, you know, they're recruiting well under Joey McGuire. But, yeah. You know, like, like, did they uh... miss that window of like getting some like extra baller type guys to come in there and play? I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, it was Cliff Kingsbury. He only, they were barely above or they were either barely under 500 or they were right around 500 during Mahomes's like two or three years starting. I remember Quandre Diggs. I can't remember actually. I can't remember if it was Baker or Mahomes that Quandre Diggs just absolutely destroyed. It was when Tech was wearing those black jerseys that had like the Texas flag on the shoulder pad. Mm -hmm. If y'all remember, yeah. If y'all remember the game, I think it was a Black Friday game in Austin. I also remember uh, one of those years, one of those Black Friday games. Tech did a uh, a fake kneel, and they scored, and that pissed off either. I think it was Charlie, but mm, yeah, it was Mahomes who got leveled by Quandre Diggs. Oh, it was in Lubbock. Game. Damn, I was wrong. Never mind then. Lubbock game, and then uh, trying to think of the fake kneel down game. I do remember a Black Friday game here in Austin that saved Cliff Kingsbury's job when Texas yeah. Tech, as a seven point underdog, came into Austin and beat Texas in a game they had no business winning. So. Uh, yeah, not fun. Not fun there. Nope. Yeah, hey, BK, since it's signing day, uh, usually you're the one asking the questions, but I'll ask you the question. What's what's your favorite uh, signing day uh, moment? And Trey, you as well. Trey, what is what is your favorite signing day moment as a uh, as a media member or, uh, you know, someone who is around the Longhorns? Mm, it's probably – Tom Herman's second class, that was a top three class that turned out to be one of the worst recruiting classes of all time. <laughs> I remember pretty, being pretty ecstatic about uh, the way Texas was able to close that year and thinking that, all right, we've got the coach and now we've got the players and here we go. We're about to be nationally relevant again. And that uh, turned out to be a disaster. 
Uh, I don't know. Like, I got to think, I got to think of like an individual one. You guys obviously have covered this and y'all pay more attention to this than we do, but Trey, you got like an individual player or national signing day story that you can think of top of mind. My least favorite was Paralu, even though that turned out not to work out great for LSU was Chris Sims on actual signing day. I don't remember. Uh, he announced remember. beforehand <laughs> up to sign his letter of intent in a limo. Um, a recent memory is not good or bad. It's just coming to the realization that National Signing Day 2 is about to mean jack shit for most teams. Yeah. Once National Signing Day 1 got instituted, and this conclusion was, uh, was come to when BK and I were doing the previous radio show, when... We weren't like all that focused on national signing day too. And people were getting upset with us. It's like, guys, there's like one or two additional names here. It's not like we need to be beating the recruiting drum from beginning to end of show anymore. Yeah. That's for national signing day one now. So we still get that. And we just get it in December during what is in theory, a slower time football wise, although you still have the NFL and teams preparing for bowl games for Texas this year. They were getting ready for that semifinal matchup. But, yeah, National Signing Day, too, is a shell of itself. It'll be real crazy Dude. if they ever move it on the calendar to uh, the summertime, which some people have suggested ha- should happen. You know, get it out of the way before your senior season and, uh, you know, get you have to deal with it, all the, all the craziness in that, that, December, that December window. I've been advocating for that for a number of reasons, including making signing day two relevant again, but also to make things a little bit easier for these coaches who are also having to prepare for bowl games or, you know, with the expanded playoff, it's going to be playoff games coming up this season. Like I think it makes a lot of sense to just eliminate that distraction from early to mid December. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to change my answer real quick before you guys leave. This is my favorite signing day memory. Mm. <laughs> Double word. <laughs> Epic. Oh, man. Great show today, fellas. Fun listen. Appreciate that interview with, uh, with Melvin was spectacular. We're going to post that as a uh, standalone video, and I'll send that to y'all, too, if y'all want to post it on the on the website. Yeah, we will for word. sure. Word. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. All right, y'all. See you. Later, fellas. Yes, sir. Have a good, guys.